Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Learn Spanish con Salsa Podcast, the show for Spanish learners that love music, travel, and culture. Close your grammar textbooks, shut down the language apps, and open your ears to how Spanish is spoken in the real world. Let us show you how to go from beginner to bilingual. Here is your host, certified language coach, Tamara Mari. Hola a todos, bienvenidos a episodio 29. Welcome to episode 29 of the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast. In this episode, I'm bringing you a conversation with Shay Spence, the founder of Español en Tres Mil, or Spanish in 3000. Shay arrived in Medellín, Colombia in June 2017 on his own personal mission to become conversationally fluent in Spanish. But after he advanced past the beginner stage, he really struggled to find resources to study real-life conversational Spanish, so he decided to build his own. After working closely with some amazing local teachers in Colombia, Español en Tres Mil was born. Shay doesn't claim to be a Spanish teacher, he is a Spanish learner just like you. In this episode, we talk all about how he improved his conversational Spanish and some of his tips for how you can do the same. He also shares a little bit about the culture of Medellin and some Colombian slang that will be good to know if you plan to visit the country, which I highly recommend. At the end of our conversation, I'll give you more information on how you can get a special seven-day free trial for the premium version of Español en Tres Mil, so stay tuned until the end so that you can get a link just for listeners of the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast. Okay, so with that, let's get to the conversation with Shay. Hola, Shay. Bienvenido, and welcome to the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast. Hey, Tamara. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's, um, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to finally get this opportunity to talk to you because we've been trying to orchestrate this for a little bit um, because I'm in the U.S. and you're in Australia, correct? Yes, I'm in Australia, back in Australia at the moment. Um, I've been here for about six months with my with my Colombian girlfriend who's here learning learning English, which is cool. Um, yeah, I was in Colombia before this for about two years, almost two years. So yeah, learned a lot of Spanish in that in that time. Got uh, like I arrived to Colombia about a year and a half, two years ago, with like some really really basic Spanish that I'd learned um, for about three months before in in Argentina. So I arrived to Colombia speaking with a sh accent. Posho, está llegando. Show me, show me. Yeah, it's so it's really weird in Colombia because it's completely different. But I found that because um, I found it got a little bit difficult, to be honest, in in uh, in Argentina because they speak really fast. I find and the accents like super thick. So I don't reckon it's a great place to, to actually learn Spanish. But it's, it's definitely a cool country. I love Buenos Aires as a city. It's really really nice. Yeah, it's a beautiful city. I went there a few years ago by accident, actually. That's a long story. <laughs> One of my travel stories that I'm actually going to be telling in a future episode of the podcast. But yeah, I ended up in Buenos Aires. And um, yeah, it's a really, I find it to be a very European city. Like people there yeah. have a very Italian sentiment, but they're speaking Spanish. So it's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's totally, it's just exactly like Italians that are speaking Spanish, hey. And they like speak with their hands and, you exactly. know, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's just beautiful. I 
absolutely obsessed with that city. It's just like the nightlife and stuff there is just amazing. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about you and then how you got started with learning Spanish and how you got interested in the language. Was it uh, your trip to Buenos Aires that got you started or what was it that made you want to speak Spanish? Well, basically got what got started for me really was um, uh, here in Australia, I'm an electrician and I, uh, I was running my own business for, you know, almost three years at the time and just didn't had, hadn't had a holiday for a long time and just was getting a bit stressed out with work and one day I just went to the went to the travel agent and booked a trip to Colombia, Peru and Chile. And long story short, like completely fell in love with the whole sort of Latin experience that that I had in those three countries. Um, You know, saw all these people speaking Spanish and like listened to the music and just sort of fell in love with that sort of culture aspect of everything. And so I came back to Australia and I'm like, screw this. I'm going to like just go and make this happen for me. And so I sold a bunch of stuff got rid of my car and just flew over to Argentina with like a one-way trip and wow yeah well initially the plan was to stay in Argentina because um, I had a friend there that I met on the trip and and uh, and all that sort of stuff and it just seemed like a really cool place to be Um, but after about three months I already had a trip planned and I went over to uh, to Cuba with a friend and we spent a month in Cuba and uh, the original plan was to go back to, to Buenos Aires. So I had the tickets and everything booked. But on my, on my way back through, I stopped in, back in Colombia because it was part of the sort of the flight path. And I was there for a few days. And I sort of really realized that like Colombia was a lot of the reason that I sort of fell in love and wanted to go back over to Latin America. And like I said before, a little bit as well, the, the Spanish is so much easier in Colombia. Uh, especially in Bogota, where I was at that time for a few days. It's just like very uh, clear, sort of neutral, if you want to say neutral. I don't really believe that there is a neutral Spanish, but it's about as neutral as you're probably going to get, I think, in Colombia. And so, yeah, I just sort of said, screw it. I'm just going to stay here and see see how we go. And so I booked a, a trip to or a, or, a, or a plane trip to, um, to, to Medellin. Um, and basically just never left Medellin for like a year and a half and yeah, ended up starting a really cool project with a bunch of, um, of, uh, of Spanish teachers that I met there in sort of my journey to become, you know, fluent and looking for other stuff. But yeah, we'll get onto that maybe in a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it's interesting. You're so you you initially wanted to travel, right? And I know a lot of people. It's a huge motivation for language learning, right? It's like you want to see the world and you want to explore. And it's interesting you're talking about different dialects as well, like going from Cuba to Peru to Chile, Argentina. Like they all have their different ways of speaking Spanish. So how did you approach getting from you know sort of traveling around to different places and and really getting an ear for these different dialects? Like how did you approach getting to conversational fluency from just kind of struggling through all of that as you were traveling and learning as you went? Well, I think you pick up different things from different places and and I think it's definitely like essential. It's not like English. English is like, for example, really quite neutral in every way where it's spoken. Like it has its own little like little accents and little words, but Spanish is completely different in some countries than it is in others. And you need to sort of be able to communicate and understand a few of these little nuances like for example in Argentina the double L is a sh in Colombia it's more of a j in Chile it's more of a y 
but they all sort of mean the same thing, but it just sounds completely different. So if you want to be able to communicate with a wide variety of people, you sort of need to be aware of those things. Um, but I think the, the first place that I started learning Spanish right in Argentina was in hindsight a bad choice because it's extremely difficult, even for some like native speakers, sometimes speaking to a, to a person from Buenos Aires is difficult because they speak really fast and they use heaps of slang and it sounds very different. But then jumping over to somewhere like Colombia, where it's very sort of neutral and I find that they speak generally quite slowly and I found it a lot easier. And then you can sort of branch out and be able to listen to other resources, watching movies. Initially, watching movies really helped me. Like I would literally, even in the first few months of of learning Spanish, I would just sit and watch movies. I didn't understand almost anything, but I would just sit there and watch it with the subtitles on just repetitively a whole series for like a hundred episodes. And I found like at the end, you know, you start to understand and see patterns and all that sort of stuff. You might not totally understand everything that's going on, but I felt that helped me quite a lot in the beginning. Let's switch gears in and talk a little bit about uh, the project you mentioned that you started in Colombia, because I think, you know, listening comprehension is one of the biggest problems that I hear from Spanish learners across the board. It's like, I can read it. It makes sense if I see it. I can speak a little bit sometimes, but when I hear a native speaker talking to me, I get completely lost. Like that's one of the number one issues I yeah. get for anyone trying to learn Spanish. So I think the project that you have, Espanol and Tres Mil, is really interesting in that regard. So could you tell us a little bit about it and how it got started? Yeah, totally. So I'll start with why it's called Espanol and Tres Mil. It's actually a really interesting study that I came across in my process of, you know, I'm the type of person that sort of when, when, when I want to do something, I'll like research and research and research and just read and and find all the information I possibly can about that subject. So basically I did that the same thing with Spanish, you know, reading blogs, you know, similar to your blog, there's, you know, lots of really good resources out there. And I found this study by a guy named Mark Davies that was done in the Brigham Young University. I don't know exactly what year it was, but he did a study, right, of about 20 million different Spanish words, not separate words, but he had a 20, 20 million um, word corpus, he calls it. And he pulls all these words out of different places like newspapers and, and other written things and movies and recordings, interviews, everything. And he did a big study and to see what um, the frequency of words, right? So what is the relation with frequency to how, how easily can you learn the language and how much can you speak in different situations, right? So in at 3,000 words, the, the most common 3,000 words in Spanish, a Spanish learner can communicate in 94% of situations completely fluently. And I was like, that's a really cool number, you know, because you go to a lot of language classes and sometimes it feels like super overwhelming because you're like, how am I ever going to learn all this? Like, it just seems like there's just this endless list of words and things to learn. And that 3000 words was just like something really cool to me. It's like, okay, there's that like goal, you know, maybe I don't get there. Maybe I get to 1000 words or 2000. And even at 1000 words, you're something like 88% of situations completely fluently. So still that's like amazing. And so we basically do all of our resources around that sort of 3000 words. And, and how we do it is basically, I've got a couple of um, Spanish teachers who are also very good friends of mine. And 
back about 18 months ago, we sort of got together and we're like, how can we build something that could be a really amazing resource for, for people learning Spanish? And at the time it was for me. I was like, I want this resource, this resource basically for me. And the thing that I'd sort of noticed a lot of, with a lot of resources out there is there was a lot of sort of apps and other sort of resources that are, someone like designs the, the, uh, the conversation. So they sit down and write them first and they often sound quite sort of manufactured and not very native. And it's just not how people really speak. And I think that's basically, could be one of the reasons why people get so confused and I got so confused with native speakers is because they just speak and it doesn't sound like the resources that we've got in our textbooks because it's not. Um, exactly. You never <laughs> hear that conversation, hola, como esta usted, right? Like always, <laughs> like that's how they always start teaching you conversational Spanish and you just go, I've never heard anyone talk that way, right? That, that's not how people introduce themselves in real life. <laughs> no, it's like in real life, they're like, hola, como estas? like really fast or que mas pues like if you're in Medellin que mas pues is like super super common but it sounds like if you heard that as a Spanish learner it's like que mas pues it's like what else well in English it's like what the hell that doesn't mean anything but it's like (laughs) super common everyone from like a 50 year old to a 10 year old will address someone as que mas it's like what's up in English um, and they're those sort of little nuances and other things that you can learn from, from real conversational Spanish. So basically what we do, I gave it to these teachers and I said, go out and find the most interesting and coolest people you can in the streets, bars, cafes, homes, everywhere here in Medellin and have an amazing conversation with them. And let's turn that into an amazing resource for us to study Spanish. Initially, it was just for me because I wanted to test it out and I was a little bit selfish. Like, I just want to have this all to myself. And then I just started sharing it with with other friends who are learning and like, this is amazing. We've got to like put this out and help other people. So that's how sort of Espanol and Tres Mil was born and we sort of made it into more of a, a resource that was online and people can access it and do all these other things. But we don't just leave it like at the conversation because listening to a conversation is awesome. But you, then you get the problem of you don't understand a word or, you know, often when native people are speaking, it sort of blends into just like a wall of sound. And it's like, I can't really hear where the difference of words is. So we do a transcription as well. So we have a word by word transcription. So you can sort of actually listen and read at the same time, which I found that to sort of skyrocket the results that I was getting because you're actually listening and also reading. So you can have that connection with the sound and the written word. And so that when you're listening to it in a real conversation, it doesn't like outside of the resources, you can, you know, use that sort of training to to recognize what people are saying. So it doesn't sort of sound like just this wall of, of sound, which I'm sure right, you probably you hear that. often, yeah. You get that association between, you know, what you see and then what you hear. Um, so yeah, I think the transcripts are really important too, because I found with listening comprehension, especially when you read something, right. And you're reading as a native English speaker and you kind of read it out in your head, like you're pronouncing things in your head with your, you know, your bad gringo accent, right. You're like <laughs> yeah. in your head, you're reading it like, oh, como estas, right. And, but when you hear it, 
as, from a native speaker and you're reading it along that way, then you start to encode in your brain their pronunciation, which is, you know, a lot more useful than reading without listening. So I always recommend that. So I think that's a great idea to totally. combine those two because it really does help you um, get it into your into your head and then also make it useful so you can access it when you have to when you really have to use it and have a conversation. Totally. And it might sound a little bit cheesy and stuff like this, but I totally reckon that it's like printing the, the vocabulary and the Spanish into your brain. Like they, everyone thinks, you know, you can you know, grab an app and do some sort of Duolingo thing. And that's awesome um, for a certain stage. But I think that once you get to a certain stage where you're, um, and this is just my experience, like I don't want to be some guru um, telling people how to learn Spanish. It's just, I'm just speaking of my experience and, and the experience of, of friends and other people around me that have been using our resources is that, you know, it's just about repetition and it's around, it's about connecting the Spanish that you're learning with real life things that are interesting and something that you can, you know, I, f I find personally difficult to remember a flashcard. Like there's nothing interesting about a flashcard to me to make me remember it. Um, maybe if you show it to me every day, I'll remember it, but there's nothing interesting about that flashcard. But whereas if there's an interesting subject that someone's talking about in a conversation and you learn a new word in that conversation, in that sentence, that's really interesting. And that for me connects in my brain and I will actually remember that. If you know what I mean, do you, do you find the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I think the context is super important, right? Learning out of context, it's like, oh, just give me a list of random words. And unless you're like a memory champion or something, right? You're like, you're not going to Which is well the majority, majority of us are not memory champions. So Exactly, yeah. So I think that, um, yeah, I mean, and with me, you know, sort of in my own experience too, you know, I found that my connection was similar to your story, just connecting with the music um, and the culture was something that was really important to me. So Especially the salsa. Oh, yeah, Learn definitely. Spanish Consulta podcast. <laughs> That's yeah. the name with suggest, right? But yeah, definitely. So for me, it was, I fell in love with the dance and the music, and it just all sort of connected for me. So I learned a lot through song lyrics because I had context there, and I definitely had repetition, right? And it was something I was just naturally interested in, so I wanted to know what the songs meant. It wasn't like a mm. forced, you know, oh, I have to learn these eight units of, you know, this grammar book, you know, to get fluent in Spanish. It was, oh, I want to know this song. This is really interesting. So, yeah, I think the context interest really speaks to motivation, which is one of the primary things you need to, to persevere in language learning. Because other than that, you know, it can be really difficult to stay going when you get discouraged from not understanding something. Totally. Or get a girlfriend or a boyfriend in, <laughs> in the other language. It's like a super good motivator. The first, um, the first date that I had with my, with my current lovely um, girlfriend, it was extremely sad about my Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> it was very early days and she was very patient with me. So it definitely helps. Or even just a friend. It doesn't even have to be a girlfriend or a boyfriend or anything, but just find a friend that you're interested in and, and that you want to get to know and that only speaks Spanish. And you'd be amazed on how much you'll learn just by trying and just by making a fool of yourself, trying and making mistakes and then getting corrected. It all helps, I think. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, um, you know, someone that only speaks that language because... What I found is that my friends that I have that are bilingual, it's much harder for us to stick to Spanish in a conversation. One, because I live in the US and English is the dominant language here. And you know, if you're in a group where some people speak English and some people speak Spanish, 
generally we end up defaulting to English because that's just more comfortable for everybody. So it's really hard when you're talking to someone that's bilingual because it's not necessary that you communicate in Spanish. But if you do find someone that has very low English proficiency or just has a higher comfort level of Spanish, um, or like in your case is extraordinarily patient with you, um, <laughs> it, just, it becomes easier to really make progress and to focus on your listening comprehension, your conversation skills and all of that. Because otherwise, you know, it's so easy you know, the brain is looking for the path of least resistance, right? So it's so easy to go back into English when you're struggling to find a word and you want to keep the conversation going. But if you have someone that doesn't speak English and you can't use that as a reference point. So I think that's a, a great point you made that, yeah, you, you have to be able to talk to people, but also, you know, keep in mind if your goal is to improve your Spanish, that talking to someone that lets you off the hook, so to speak, is not always yeah. the best. Um, so yeah, I think that's really that's really useful. And I want to ask you too, because I always ask my guests this question, because I think that it's good for the listeners to hear that all of us that you know speak you know Spanish and English and we're learning that we didn't just uh, magically you know fall into this place where we're like now I'm fluent, right? Like we had our struggles along the way. So I always like to share those to kind of encourage people that it's okay to make mistakes. So if you have a story you could share about either like the funniest mistake you made, yeah. uh, something that was embarrassing or not, like depending on, you know, what you want to share, but just kind of tell us about one of the mistakes that you made and how it stuck with you and how it helped you learn. Yeah, definitely. I, <laughs> there's a really funny one that I, um, that I always remember. And it was like, uh, right back in the beginning when I was in, when I was in Argentina in Buenos Aires. And I remember getting into a cab, right. And back then, you know, you learn a few words and, um, and stuff like this and a few words stick in your brain. And it was like a really hot day and I got in the cab and I'm like, oh, and there was like the cab drivers trying to talk to me or whatever. And I was like waving my head, like trying to, you know, fan my head because it was really hot. And I'm like, oh, estoy caliente. And I didn't think anything of it. And he looked at me in the mirror going, hmm, what's going on with this bloke? He didn't say anything, but he just like gave me this weird look. And I'm like, oh, what? Anyway, just brush it off. Didn't really understand. And then I learned later on, I was, maybe I was telling like a Spanish teacher the story or something like that. And then like, and they're like, basically, you just said to that, um, to that, cab driver that I'm like horny in the back seat of, of, of my car. I'm like, what? I thought caliente meant hot. And they're like, no, that's like caliente is like things or objects or like water. But if you're referring to a person as caliente, it's like horny or like sexy. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Jesus, that's why this cab driver was looking at me like a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, the difference between calor and caliente. That was a pretty bit of a funny one, but there's heaps of moments. Like I remember so many times, especially I remember when going to meet my, my girlfriend's family for the first time and my Spanish was still very, very weak. And just the embarrassment of just like not going, not knowing what's going on at all. It was like Christmas time and I'm the only foreigner in a big group of, of um, in a big group of Colombians and no one else speaks English. And it was super difficult, but it's like, those are the moments that I reckon that I learned the most because it's, I reckon learning a language is more about confidence than people understand. Like it's actually people, a lot of people know a lot more words that then they're willing to use because they're just a little bit too embarrassed or a little bit too ashamed to, to just try or to make mistakes. But it doesn't matter if you're making mistakes, as long as that other person understands you, it doesn't matter if you're grammatically incorrect. Like even native speakers aren't grammatically correct all the time just because that's right. how people speak. Like we, we don't talk in English grammatically correct all the time. I know I don't. 
Yeah, if we did, we'd sound really uptight, I think. <laughs> yeah, like proper proper Queen's English just doesn't Correct. get spoken. Yeah, and it's the same with Spanish too. Um, and I wanted to come back and ask you a question. So you mentioned like meeting your girlfriend's family for the first time, and we talked a little bit earlier about some of the things that are said in Medellin. So I was curious to know, are there is there any slang or any words in particular oh, yeah. that are particular to the region of Medellin that you learned as you moved there and lived there for a few years? Was there um, were there things you found there that weren't in Argentina or Peru or the other places you had traveled? Definitely. I, I mean, Medellin is like a super, super cool place. Like if anyone has not been to Medellin or Colombia in general, they definitely have to go. Um, the locals actually, in the more of a slang word, they actually call it Medajo, not Medellin. It's more common to say Medellin, but it's sort of more in like the, the barrios, like the little places, um, little sort of um, areas of Medellin, they'll say Medajo, um, which is interesting. But que mas pues? like what's up it's like what's up in english that's super common in 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 medellin but they add the pues bit so in the whole of colombia que mas is very common but they add pues at the end and that's sort of a very common expression or greeting in in medellin they actually add pues to everything so it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything so like pues is like well in english or just it's like a filler word but they just add it to the the end of every single expression or or anything, and it's it kind of sounds like if you're speaking to a paisa, which is a person from Medellin, it, it often you'll hear pues every five to ten seconds, thirty seconds. It's every they're kind of famous giveaway word. Right? Yeah, they're very famous for using a lot of pues. Um, but there's also heaps of other words like pasero. Pasero is like dude or, you know, man in English or um, in Argentina it's boludo or in Mexico it's like way. In uh, Medellin it's pasero or pasera. But I also sh- shorten it and they also say parse. Que mas parse? I have an- another word um, that is like cool or, you know, like awesome. They say bacano. You heard of bacano before? Yeah, I've heard that. Actually, I thought that was more of like a a Caribbean uh, word. I know I've definitely seen that before. Um, and I wonder what region exactly, but I, I, yeah, I've heard that one before outside of Medellin. That's interesting. Mm, I think, th- I mean, yeah, words definitely move around to all different places, especially in music right. and stuff as well. But they're also very similar to that. They'll say, ch- say charity. You heard of that? You would have heard of that before. Like, que charity. It's like, how cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chévere. Mm-hmm. 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 And um, I don't know, you've, you've been to Colombia before, haven't you? I have. I've only been to Cartagena, Cartagena. and that's on the Caribbean coast. So it's actually a little yeah. different there. It's interesting. They were explaining well to different. me how their their words and their accent are a little bit different than what they call you know, la gente del interior. Basically, like in Bogota and Medellin, they're like, they speak different than us, you know? I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, they <laughs> so don't yeah. speak with any S's in, in, in sorry, in um, Cartagena. Yeah, they're very, it's a very Caribbean place. That's common in, in Cuba, in, in the Republic Dominicana, Puerto Rico. They all have that feature. So I was surprised to find that in Colombia, actually, because I didn't know that much about Colombia before I went. And um, yeah. yeah, they they definitely have a Caribbean flair in Cartagena. So I imagine it's a bit different in Medellin. Yeah, it's, it. I always think like Colombia, the different like estados are like different countries all within them. Like the culture is so different, the people are different, the accent's different, the food's so different. It's like Col- Colombia has like seven countries within one. It's like 
each different area is, is, is like noticeably different, which makes it really cool. So did you have any um, aguardiente when you're in Cartagena? I did. I did, actually. I went on a boat tour and went to um, uh, Tierra Bomba and yeah, um, we, we tried, we had fresh fish too. It was just a beautiful uh, place. Nice. I definitely want to go back to Colombia and I haven't made it to Medellin, but you're, you're making me um, want to rethink go. that. <laughs> they, um, in, in, in Medellin, they say guaro for, um, for aguardiente. Ah, okay. Just like a little slang word. And they drink it in two liter bottles. Like you go out to a, um, to a fonda, which is a, another probably very Colombian word, which is like a nightclub. But a fonda is a very specific type of nightclub that plays all types of tropical music. You know, your uh, salsas and your vaginatos and um, reggaeton, bachata, all those types of things, merengue. And they, so what they, you're saying is that's where I need to go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. They call it a crossover. So it's a crossover, like a fonda, but it's like a uh -huh. crossover fonda, right? And it's um, normally painted in really bright, bright colors. And they've got like, you know, really cool stuff all around the walls and all that sort of stuff. And you'll go there with a big bunch of friends and you'll all put in, you know, 10 mil pesos or 20 mil pesos. 20,000 20, pesos or, or 10,000 pesos and you'll, you'll buy a jarra, which is like a big bottle of guaro, which is two liters. And they'll put this big two liter bottle on, on your table and they'll put you like a bunch of plastic shot glasses and a big jug of water and maybe some fruit and stuff like that. You'll just drink water and shot guaro and dance or not. Sounds like a party. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about Medellin. Hopefully you've encouraged some people who are listening who haven't been to, to book a trip there. Okay, so now I want to switch gears and go into our quick fire round. So this is where I ask you five questions in Espanol um, for you to answer off the top of your head. So, ¿listo? Sí, listo, vamos. Okay. Eh, pregunta número uno es, ¿cuál es tu canción favorita en Espanol? Ay, no sé. He estado escuchando últimamente mucho de Nicky Jam. Y también es, escucho mucho Vallenato, porque mi novia es de Vallirupar, que es una ciudad un poquito cerca de Santa Marta, como la mitad de Santa Marta y Cartagena. Y es... Okay. ¿Has escuchado de Vallenato? Sí, sí, yo escuché mucho cuando estaba en Cartagena. Sí, vallenato es como la música de esa tierra. Y, es, y la casa de vallenato es Vallupar. Y entonces escuchamos mucho vallenato en, en nuestra casa. ¿Y tienes un, una canción de vallenato que, que puedes recomendar? Claro, hay un cantante que se llama Silvestre Dangón. Y pregunta número dos es, ¿cuál es tu palabra favorita de español? He estado buscando esa palabra en, en inglés, pero creo que no existe. Es canzón o canzona. No creo que eso existe en inglés. Canzón es como cuando una persona está preguntándote siempre para algo, como... ¿Por qué no vamos a hacer eso? ¿Por qué bla, 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 bla? Esa persona es un canzón. Es como eh, que está molestándote. 
Sí, pero... sí entiendo. Creo que no, no puedo pensar en una palabra en inglés tampoco, pero es como annoying. Sí, un poquito como annoying, pero es muy útil. Siempre sí. mi novia me está diciendo, ay, canzón, tranquilo. Cry baby. Yeah, it's like a little bit like that, but sí, no creo que tenemos esa um, palabra en inglés. Es no como decir, ay, you're so annoying. No hablamos así en inglés. Y número tres, ¿cuál fue la última cosa que leíste, miraste o escuchaste en español? Eh, la última cosa que escuché en español probablemente fue una conversación o una mini lección de, de español en 3000. Porque yo estoy haciendo todas las eh, ediciones. Entonces, ah. tengo que escuchar todas las cosas. Y número cuatro, saca tu móvil y traduce uh -huh. el último texto que recibiste al español. Ah, esa mensaje es de un, de un amigo mexicano que está viviendo en Buenos Aires, pero viene aquí a Australia para vi, vivir con su, su novia australiana. Yo le dije en inglés, Good luck with the visa, dude. You're, you, you should have no problems. You're a top class guy. Y en español dice, Buena suerte con la visa. No deberías tener problemas. Eres un chico de primera clase. Ok, la última pregunta es, ¿hay un lugar en el mundo que tú crees que es el mejor del mundo? Un lugar que para ti es como el cielo. Mm. Pues para mí me encanta eh, Medellín, me encanta la ciudad, la gente. En general me encanta todo de Colombia. No creo que... Hay un lugar perfecto en todas las maneras, eh, porque hay otras cosas que me encantan de, de mi tierra aquí en Australia. Y hay otras cosas que me encantan de Perú o de Europa. Entonces, no, no tengo un lugar específico. Okay, so wrapping up, can you tell us um, just a little bit about if, if our listeners want to get some information about Español en Tres Mil? Um, how they can find out more about uh, your program and learning Spanish through conversations. Yes, basically Español en Tres Mil, 100% made in, in Medellín, Colombia, with the most coolest, most coolest or the coolest people. See, you know, we always make mistakes in English. Right. You know, we can do that in Spanish as well. Right. Um, with the coolest and most interesting people that we could find in, um, in Medellín, you immediately find that when you jump in, it's like stuff that you could use tomorrow or today with your Spanish-speaking friends or family or workmates and all that sort of stuff. And you can find our website as um, espanolentresmil.com. It's espanolentresmil.com. So it's E-S-P-A-N-O-L-E-N-3000.com. I will include a link on the show notes page. You can look for it there as well. So cool. with that... Thank you, Shay, so much for taking the time to talk to me today. And thanks for joining us on the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. It's been a pleasure, Tamara. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, all the best to all your listeners with their Spanish. Get out there and, uh, and just do it. It's uh, the only way to become, you know, as fluent or more fluent in Spanish is to get out there and practice. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Shay. 
He has definitely inspired me to book a flight to Medellin and return to Colombia. Sounds like a lot of fun. And it's a place that, honestly, it wasn't on my bucket list, but now I think that I might consider going to Medellin. Now, if you want a seven-day free trial of Español en Tres Mil, go to LearnSpanishConSalsa.com forward slash 3000. That's LearnSpanishConSalsa.com forward slash 3000. And you'll get a special link to a seven-day free trial of the premium version of Español en Tres Mil, which is just for listeners of the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. Now, I have to say I have tried this resource myself. I do not recommend things that I don't think will be really effective. And I really think this is great if you are an advanced beginner or in an intermediate level and you really want to challenge yourself to listen to native Spanish speakers, but also get that support that he mentioned with the transcripts as well as uh, the lessons that are provided in the premium version are very helpful because they explain some of the grammar and some of the slang that's used. Um, and the conversations are really interesting. The topics they cover are um, very diverse and they talk to a lot of Spanish speakers that are in Medellin. So people are from all over. So it really makes for an interesting mix of uh, personalities and conversations and topics. So I think you'll definitely enjoy Now, if you're a complete beginner, this will probably be a little bit too challenging for you, but I do have a resource for you as well. If you go to that same link uh, in the show notes for this episode, which is LearnSpanishConSalsa.com forward slash 3000, you will find a link to our bulletproof guide to your first Spanish conversation. So this is if you're not quite ready to take advantage of a more advanced resource and you're really just trying to get your feet wet with having your first conversation in Spanish, you can download that guide absolutely free. Uh, and it's also available on the show notes page for this episode. Okay, so that is it for me. I hope that something that you heard today, as always, takes you one step closer from Spanish beginner to bilingual. Hasta la próxima. Thank you for listening to the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast at LearnSpanishConSalsa.com.